Welcome to the Israel Bible Podcast. My name is Cindy Parker, and I am an author, speaker, and the professor of Holy Land Studies at the Israel Bible Center. I am passionate about reading the Bible in the physical, historical, and cultural context of its day. And I love having geeky conversations with people about new things. In this podcast, I'd like to invite you to join me as I sit down each week with other faculty members and guests at IBC to discover new aspects of the Bible. These are some of my favorite dialogues because as a modern audience reading an ancient text, we know that the Bible does not need to be rewritten, but it needs to be reread. For the next couple weeks, I am doing something new with the podcast. I am going to present to you exclusive content to this podcast. It is content that we do not have in courses and we've not discussed on a roundtable talk. While I do talk about it just a little bit in my Listening to the Land of the Bible class, I talk about it only when it connects to regions, rocks, soil, and rainfall. What is this interesting topic we are talking about? Well, it is super interesting to me because at one point in my past, I was a chef and I used to think about this subject all the time. We are talking about food in the Bible. And if we're thinking about ancient Israel and the Israelites, we could do a quick summary and say the Israelite diet was comprised primarily of grain, wine, oil, vegetables, and spices, with a very limited amount of meat, only on occasion. Animals were just too precious of a commodity for the family to kill them on a regular basis. Instead, the animals were used for their dairy and either hair of the goats or wool if it was from sheep. But I thought it would be fun to have Professor Pinchashir to join me to talk about a wide variety of issues related to food and the biblical text. Many of you know Pinchas as the Associate Professor of Ancient Cultures and a contributor of many magazine articles and the author of several core classes offered by the Israel Bible Center. We both like to talk about food, even when it's not Bible-related. So I knew this conversation would be fun. We started with a basic question. Where do we find information about food culture in the biblical text? Lean in and enjoy the conversation. Well, I mean, if we're going to talk about food in the Hebrew Bible, uh, I guess begin in the beginning, in the garden. It all begins with food, actually. It all begins with eating from that tree that you're not supposed to eat from. So, yeah, uh, it it's actually, people will get frustrated with me saying this, but the entire Bible is just filled with food and stories about food and stories about eating food. It's either about food or cooking food or eating food or procuring food or trying to somehow make that food happen, essentially. So it really is an inescapable topic. And yes, it begins right there in the garden uh, with that uh, forbidden fruit, sort of say. You know, people always ask what, what that forbidden fruit was. Truth is, nobody knows. But we have, of course, tradition that gives us all sorts of ideas. But I think the most relevant thing for people to understand about food in the Hebrew Bible is there's ingredients, of course, which are quite different from what we're used to today. And so that part of the imagination needs to be filled in. So in the 
ancient times, like, you know, these ancient biblical eras, basically, we have food that's very basic, uh, a lot of grains, a lot of vegetables. Uh, do people eat meat? Yes, of course, they eat meat, but that doesn't come in until much later. So the biblical stories tell us that basically the first people were practically vegetarian. Uh, and then meat becomes more of a an afterthought, really, or a necessity in the days of Noah. God says that now you can eat these animals as well, because um, I guess there's a shortage of food. And so that's how we get into eating meat. Uh, but apparently bef before that, people weren't even thinking about eating meat. That wasn't an option. It's not something that they considered or maybe even thought about. Um, there are lot of extra biblical stories about uh, those sorts of sorts of things uh, that kind of take us in a different direction. But I like I like the canonical record that kind of gives us that nice clean start uh, with Noah and, and meat. And that's where the menu gets expanded. But what's very curious, and this is something that people should understand about ancient food, that even in the days of Noah, there's already a prohibition against eating blood. And so a lot of people say, well, what, what's in the Bible? What, what does it apply to me? What doesn't apply to me? People like to look at the biblical text in a very practical aspect. What's in it for me? You know, how is my relationship with God's going to change, whether I'm going to eat this or I'm not going to eat that? Uh, I get those questions all the time. So um, one of the things that I think that's important and very consistent is not eating blood. I don't know if people have thought much about it. God gives an allowance to Noah and his descendants to eat meat, but then he tells them, don't, don't touch blood. I mean, it's just, you're not to eat it. You cannot ingest it. And, you know, later blood starts to play a very important role in uh, Israelite customs of atonement, for example. And so we are starting to get a little bit more of a picture of how important it is. And so then comes a whole bunch of laws that talk about slaughter and draining blood and making sure it's not consumed and so the story is actually very very consistent by the time we get into new testament it's almost like a given although in acts 15 we have this discussion about once again not eating blood so it's curious how that gets passed on Pinhas and I talk in greater depth about Acts 15 and the Jerusalem Council, what was being debated and decided on at the council, and we focused on why this particular instruction not to consume blood was so important. If you missed the conversation, you can go back and listen to Season 2, Episode 7. It was a part of our mini-series about the class that is called Stories of the Jewish Church. The topic of food in the Bible is not just about consuming blood, however. There are laws and social norms around planting, harvesting, managing, food storage, and even sharing resources. How does Pinchas categorize all of these food instructions? I tend to divide food into kind of two categories, two big categories, food that comes from animals, food that doesn't come from animals, or, or animals and animal products and animal byproducts, sort of say, and then um, all the things that grow, things that grow from seeds and sprout from the ground and and all, all sorts of those things. So that's kind of categories. And I think the Bible divides it that way as well. A great story in, uh, in the Bible that I think is um, always, I always find fascinating is when Daniel ends up in Babylon, and uh, he's given food uh, from the king's table to eat, and Daniel somehow finds it objectionable. You know, him and his comrades who are there from 
Jerusalem, uh, their youth, the young people taken in captivity by force, being now groomed uh, to work for the king in his palace and obviously given a stipend, I guess, of food. They're, they're given food to eat from the royal table, which is really nice. I mean, if you think about it, the, the way the kings eat is probably the best food there is. Uh, yet somehow he finds it objectionable and he doesn't want to eat it. And he has to make special arrangements for himself. So uh, it says in the text that he did not want to be defiled. So somehow the king's food would be defiling. So I always thought to myself, you know, how, if, if I was given this nice royal fare and, you know, all this is set before me, even if I was really picky and I really wanted to eat certain kinds of things, I could always just say, you know, I'm going to have this, but I'm not going to have that. I'm going to have more of this and less of that. And I'm sure most of us have been in these situations where we're being offered foods that maybe we don't like so much. But then, then there's something that we always find out there that we do like. So we just say, you know, I'm just going to eat more of that and less of this and, and just kind of do that. So I always imagine Daniel maybe wanting to do some of that, but apparently he finds it so objectionable that he just uh, rejects uh, that royal food altogether. And what he asks for in return instead, he said, give me the things that grow from the seeds. And I think it's very interesting uh, that he is requesting things that grow from seeds. So something that would germinate would produce food. I mean, not even just food that's, let's say, vegetarian. And a lot of times we think like, okay, what he wanted was, you know, he didn't want to eat meat or he didn't want to eat that. So he just wanted vegetarian. He's very specific that he wants food that sprouts. And so, again, the language in the book, Daniel, is is interesting of how specific he is and what it is that he wants to eat. And, and, you know, the story goes on that he was just fine. He ate those very things and he was healthy. In fact, um, I think the text says that he was even, you know, clear in his mind and was able to do all the studies that he needed to do better than everybody else. And it didn't look like he, he didn't look feeble or weakly or anything like that. And so uh, that worked out pretty good for him. And uh uh, and his friends. So um, there's lots of food stories in the Bible. That one is all, always fascinates me because I look at the food in the Bible, and like you, Cindy, I look at it as a social um, mechanism. Sharing food, uh, food a lot of times is is about sharing it. It's the social uh, sort of say exercise in hospitality and friendship. There's a level of camaraderie. Uh, that exists when people sit down and they share a meal. If you cook something for somebody, it means a lot more than if you just go out and buy it, right? And so it it's about relationship, really. Because uh, whenever you prepare food, you put a little bit of your own heart and soul into it. And so I think it carries a message of, of friendship. And I think that message sometimes gets lost because people look at food in a very utilitarian way. And if you start looking at it, from the social aspect, it's it's very important. So like, I'm thinking right now about the story of Abraham. I was going to say, this I, is a perfect segue into that because it is the hospitality, but it's generous, like abundant hospitality. Right. It's abundant hospitality. So, you know, Abraham, he got circumcised, right? Well, he did it himself. <laughs> and then uh, He's sitting out there recovering. It says in the heat of the day, he sees travelers from afar. So he runs to them and says, come, come into my tent uh, quickly. You know, Sarah, just 
let's let's feed these people <laughs> get get the dough going get the everything so they start immediately preparing uh food for them and, and he's he wants to go slaughter a calf you know which is a big deal this is not a small fare i mean he's gonna he's gonna throw throw a thousand dollars on that meal or something like that you know this is a big deal but these three visitors for some reason have really impressed him although the torah doesn't really say anything special about them besides the fact they were visitors so lavish hospitality you know very uh i guess typical to this you know eastern culture but it's all about relationship because those visitors they didn't just pop into his tent for an hour you know take a little nap relax have some tea have some nuts you know here's some dried fruit no he says you sit here and you wait and you rest while i prepare this feast for you and it takes hours and hours and hours and they're waiting and for him it's very important to be able to prepare the feast and for them it's very important to wait because this man is going all out of his way to treat them like royalty really which of course turns out really fortuitous for abraham because these are not just visitors but these are the types of customs that i see in the bible related to food that are social uh customs that kind of create that those glue of relationships essentially Food nourishes the body and also is a social and economic marker. The giving of food is a giving of oneself in a way. It reveals one's knowledge of production of foodstuffs. When people share a meal, they are reinforcing a sense of identity. Whether a person serves the food or receives the food informs the role they play in the midst of the others who are gathered. Is one the host, the guest, or the servant? Is the same quality of food shared with everyone? And the shared food can connect households, strengthen a community, and reaffirm status levels or create a shared dependence on one another. Hospitality enhances the cohesion between the host and the guests and between the guests themselves because those we know at a feast, we know more intimately. Food has been used in a strategic friendship forming kind of way throughout the Bible so many times, especially in the patriarchal stories. I mean, I see that all the time. So the, the for example, the meal between uh, Isaac and the king of, king of Grar, right? So they, they sit down and they eat and they make a pact. They make a deal together, right? And so a, co- a covenant is being cut right there with what? With a meal. Uh, they seal it up with, a shared meal and and that creates that relationship now we're friends we've shared a meal so by the way rejecting the meal would send the opposite message which does happen quite a bit you know i just talked about daniel he clearly rejects the meal he doesn't want it you know it's not that he's grateful to the king but you know in the end he's a captive in the end he does not want to be defiled so he feels that the food from the king's table will be defiling to him so there's certain complexity with eating things and not eating things who you're eating things with and who you do not want to eat things with there's the social aspect and then there's the menu aspect of course and because there's a great diversity and differences and some people eat certain things others don't and so that's cultural as well 
we have that in the Bible. Although what I've noticed uh, in the Hebrew Bible, the context of sharing meals between Jews and non-Jews, let's put it that way, uh, and that's a, been a big topic of my study for a long time, seems to be not a problem. I mean, I see early on in the Bible, I see a lot of meal sharing between Jews and non-Jews, and that's okay. You know, Israelites do not seem to have a huge problem of sharing food with outsiders. Now, granted, a lot of that happens within their own context when they're kind of in control, right? But but even in other situations, they happily sometimes accept food from outsiders as well. However, as we move further in history of this meal sharing and this food that just keeps going back and forth between very different peoples, there's a shift. And I noticed that shift sometime really probably after Babylonian captivity, I'd say it probably begins somewhere there with Daniel. And then from Daniel moving forward, I see greater and greater reluctance in sharing meals or even sometimes accepting food items from outsiders. So this is a very interesting trajectory that I've noticed that there's a relationship change occurs because now even though there are no commandments in the Bible, thou shalt not share a food with the non-Israelite or something like that. There's no such commandment in the Bible. That becomes almost kind of like an unspoken rule. It becomes like, like a commandment, and people start treating that way of behaving, that fence that is being built in the relationships uh, is related to food. And that's how they start treating it. They start saying that, this is something that I must do. This is something that I have to do. This is this is the only proper way for me to conduct myself in this situation. So then all of a sudden, you see all these barriers. And by the time we get to the New Testament era, sharing food, uh, you know, Jews, non-Jews becomes a big problem because now we have hundreds of history, a buildup of a social behavior where people are, are being told and shown that this is something not done. This particular topic about Jews eating with non-Jews or not eating with them is something we are going to cover in a future talk. For now, I don't want to skip too far ahead. I asked Pinchas if he thought, within the idea that food has a role in forming identity, if there were any changes that happened because of the Babylonian exile. The question of who the Jews were as God's people without a land was part of so many conversations, and food preserves identity. So did ideas about food change during the exile? So looking at history, I mean, there's several things that we could see that Babylonian captivity really shook up Israel in many ways. I mean, basically, this small group of people that grew into a nation out of nothing, right, just really a clan, that the Bible tells us they grow, they go into Egypt, just a few, and they come out, a massive community. Now it's like a nation. And and then by the time you get to Babylon, it's back to the small number. So that contraction could result in people reacting very differently in how they want to preserve their identity, how they want to solidify it, how they want to articulate who they really are and so start creating those protective borders because let's be honest you know why did Jews end up being conquered by Babylon to begin with not being faithful to the covenant 
not being different, wanting to be like everybody else, making pacts and legions and alliances with all these foreigners with whom they're not supposed to deal with, really. They suppose, you know, all the, every prophet that comes out says, trust the Lord. Do not trust in these princes. Do not trust in these royal nobles, all these kings that you think have great power and authority and they can protect you. That's That becomes the, the prophetic reality that basically manifests in all these expulsions and being conquered and taken in captivity. So now maybe people are getting the idea and they're putting up those barriers that now solidify their identity. And as you said uh, before, Cindy, I think that's uh, you're absolutely correct in saying that, that that's when the identity becomes really formed. That's where these questions start rising up and people saying, well, what makes me different? How am I, you know, what should we do? How should we live? Should we maybe go back to some of these things in the Torah and rethink them? Maybe we did not fully embrace them, but we need to do better. So yeah, um, people tend to react to situations, pain, things that happen in their life, suffering. And so sometimes the pendulum swings and that's perhaps that's what we're seeing is we have this extreme reaction of just not wanting to eat with outsiders. Not I don't even want to take food from outsiders. So like Daniel, Tobit, the same thing. You know, one of the first comments in the book of Tobit says that he uh, he did not eat the bread of Gentiles. That's what it says. So Tobit was a righteous man. He lived out there in Babylon, but he did not eat the food, the, the bread of the Gentiles, which could just mean just food of Gentiles, basically. So presumably he had his own Jewish food, basically. They kept him going, but that's sort of say a testament to his piety. And And so for Jews of that period, that becomes a big deal. I have only given you a small taste of what's to come. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about who we can eat food with, when, and how. If you like these kind of conversations that pull out different kinds of details from the biblical text, Come and join us at the Israel Bible Center, where you have access to so many different kinds of courses and conversations. You can even earn credit towards Israel Bible Center certificate program in Jewish context and culture. Thank you, Jeremy McDonald from Mason Jar Music for doing an amazing job editing, mixing, and adding in all the good music. And thank you for hanging out with me and being curious about all things Bible-related. <laughs>